Hey folks, before we jump into the episode today, I just wanted to let you know about something that you might be interested in if you are considering making some kind of a career change. I have recently launched a self-paced online audio course called Meaningful Career Change, which is all designed to kickstart your mindful and meaningful career change journey with focus and intention. So if you're looking to avoid the overwhelm and get started on the right foot with some logical steps, practical exercises and insightful tips that draw on real life career change, coaching success stories from me, a seasoned career coach, straight to your headphones, then head on over to leadingbeings.com and follow the links to events and courses and you'll find the Meaningful Career Change course under the heading. All right, into the episode. Hi there, and welcome to the Good Work Revolution podcast, a show to motivate and inspire you to create a business or career that fulfills, inspires, and has a positive impact. I'm your host, Kate McCready. I'm a business and career coach and service and experience designer, and I help people and organizations activate their potential for positive impact on life and the world via their work. I had a bit of a hiatus over the last month or so with the podcast, uh, but I'm really excited to be back and sharing the story of my next guest with you. I had the pleasure of recording with him on an amazing property on the Queensland Sunshine Coast last month. My guest today is Sean Morrow. Sharing a deep connection with nature, it was no surprise that Sean built a career and a business around the natural environment. Sean is a landscaper, consultant and educator with over 20 years experience and qualifications in both horticulture and permaculture design. He has a passion for teaching others about organic gardening, frog ponds and habitat gardening, permaculture and edible gardens. But his work truly comes alive on his property out here in uh, Australia on the Queensland Sunshine Coast, where he's regenerated the land to encourage native plants and wildlife and also established his own food forest. Join me today as Sean and I discuss connecting to nature, biodynamics, finding your tribe, intuition and having a light footprint on the earth. You can find Sean at oneeartheducation.com.au. So welcome to the Good Work Revolution podcast, Sean. How are you? Good, thank you. Yes. It's great to be here on your beautiful property. So just to tell the audience where we are, I am sitting in the most gorgeous property out in Pomona on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. And we're sitting right next to a beautiful pond and I can hear frogs chirping is that frogs chirping that i can there's hear frogs there's crickets there's birds yeah. yep yep um yeah so sean uh is from sean has a company called one earth and he's doing some amazing things and we'll be getting into that in a little bit but before we do sean i just love to tell uh, you to tell me like what's your journey how have you ended up here mm-hmm. in your life Look, I, I grew up in Sydney, um, spent the first 21 years of my life in Sydney um then i went traveling for the next seven years and in that seven years of traveling, I lived all over Australia um, looking for land. And uh, after that seven years, I um, ended up finding this block with my wife. And um, we bought straight away. Within 20 minutes of walking on here, I, I just knew. I've been looking for so many blocks of land over all different states of Australia. And when I got here, I was just, yeah, I just knew straight away that it was, um, it was the place I wanted to be. 
and the place I'd be looking for. Mm. Um, as I said, we, we bought this property and it was, it was very little on here when we started. So we've come from uh, nothing really and we've created an amazing, uh, amazing place full of you know, wildlife and full of, full of abundant uh, organic food. So in terms of getting here, we, I became organic back in 97. Um, I studied a permaculture, permaculture course and um, I was already going that way but it really focused my attention and, and really clarified a lot of things for me. So studying permaculture was a big part of me understanding my journey more as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what, what made you follow that path to begin with? Like, let go back even further for me. What happened to get Well, when there? I left home, I mean, when I left home, um, so I was 21, I was a, pretty much a meatitarian. wasn't really conscious about a lot of things that were happening in, in life and everything shifted there. I became a strict vegetarian, a raw foodist, fruitarian, um, and then and, and spent a lot of years traveling around Australia and, and just um, experiencing things differently. Um, so for me... The permaculture sort of uh, maybe appreciate and understand some of the things I already understood as a kid, but it, it formalized them for me mm. um, when I did that workshop, when I did that two-week course. Um, so it's been a journey of, um, you know, more and more layers have come over time. But um, for me, I've always felt a very strong, deep connection to the earth and, and to the animals, and I've always felt like I've connected with the animals. And, and it's no different here now. Um, we've got animals here that, that we connect with, um, like we've got uh, multiple baby joeys, kangaroo joeys being born here all the time. Mm, wow. and, and as those joeys grow up, their parents are more and more comfortable with us, so the babies become more and more comfortable with us. So it, as as those um, generations of kangaroos grow here, we've named some of them. I can get very close to some of them. Um, so for me, it's just um, I've always wanted to be on the land. As a young boy, I knew I wanted to be on the land when I grew up. I knew I wanted to have a food forest and, mm. and bring up my family you know, on the yeah. land. Um, Where did that connection come from? It's always been there. Yeah. It's never, it's never not been there. Um, it's, it's, but for me, the connection, um, the awareness of that connection developed, you know, once I left home and I really started to understand my place in the world and, and my connection to all things. Yeah. What do you think made that uh, awareness grow in you? Well, see, it, it, was, it was there as a child, but the problem that I had as a child, I never met anyone else that felt the same way as I did about plants and about animals and about the earth and I just I, I never had that friendship base of people that felt that strongly uh, that I did and so it wasn't until I left home that I actually felt like I met my tribe mm. finally you know um, I have some great friends in Sydney but they weren't they didn't have that same outlook that I did so it, it was really leaving Sydney and, and, and starting to travel um, I spent I forget, I spent many men about seven years living around Australia in different places and in, in that time just um just came to a, a much deeper appreciation of, of, of nature and, mm. and understand my connectedness and then understand uh, more about growing food. and So the passion's always there, but it, it got formalized, I suppose, after, uh, after I left home. You know, yeah. when, I, when, I met, when I met those kind of people that felt the same way about, about the world that I did, mm. but I didn't meet them when I was a kid. Mm. So I felt a little bit, um, not, in a, not in a bad way, but I felt a little bit alone because I didn't have anyone to connect to on that level. Um, but now I have many people up here that I connect with on that level, and um, and I, you know, I connect with the animals here and the, and the plants here on a regular basis. Yeah. So it's just it's just there's always been a deep connection there, but it's really um, you know for me uh, getting out of suburbia in the city, you know, in Sydney was 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 the big thing that sort of made it all happen. Yeah. Um, we we went bush a lot as a kid, 
we were always in the bush. So mum and dad didn't camp much. We didn't, they didn't like camping, but um, we always went bush. So every weekend we were out in nature. You know, I had every animal you could imagine growing up, you know, from frogs, lizards, birds, snakes, um, uh, small marsupials. I kept a lot of animals growing up. And, um, and I was just lucky enough to have parents that, that understood that deep connection that I had and, 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 and uh, helped that as well. Yeah, know? right. And they didn't sort of... Um, they knew that connection was there and they sort of, they honoured that and, and helped that along. Yeah. Uh, so what did they do to, to well, help that? just thing? allow me to have things to mm. start with. You know, they could have said, no, you can't have all these animals, you know, you can't have these pets. But they let me have those things. Um, but, but the connection, the connection was, as I said, the connection was always there. You know, I just, um, I just really didn't meet those people growing up that felt the same way. So mum and dad are gardeners too, but not in the same way as I am, mm. you know. They don't think of their connection to the earth when they're, when they're gardening. They just enjoy gardening. Yeah. Know, Dad likes orchids. Mum likes growing food. But they don't have that deep um, that deep connection. Uh, I mean, they have it. I think we all, all humans have it. But I just don't think a lot of humans actually appreciate that they have that connection. Mm. You know, to, I think a lot of people miss their connection. You know? I mean, I don't, um, I don't spend a lot of time meditating, but I would spend a lot of time just sitting here you know, just just observing. You know, so from a lot of my knowledge has come from observation. Yeah, and just being in nature and sitting here and observing what's going on. I understand plants. I understand animals much more from just watching them. Yeah, you know, just watching them interact. Um, whether that's them hunting each other or whether that's just them interacting. Um, so if that said that connection was there. It's always been there. I've always had that. But it wasn't until we really started going bush when I was a younger boy that we started start to really develop for me. Yeah. yeah. I love what you were talking about too, about the people that you met when you were traveling, kind of really bringing that out in you. And I think it's, it's a really interesting point and I think why, you know, travel and getting out and seeing different parts of, if not the world, your own country or even, yeah. you know, other parts of the state or whatever is, is really great because it's, you know, you do, I think, find more of yourself when you get out and experience more of the world, don't you? Yeah, certainly do. Yeah. Certainly do. I mean, when I left home, you know, I, I was, this is it, I just... I wasn't really focused on food at all. Um, my journey from food went from no interest at all, really, to uh, learning a lot about food. You know, and then I went I cooked in a lot of restaurants and cafes um, for many years, traveling as well. So I was I've been cooking in restaurants and that sort of thing. So there was there was a connection to food there as well, but it didn't really evolve until you know, I said I had to left home and yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's, it's been a it's been an amazing journey since I left. The, the, the key thing that really shifted things for me was when I moved up to far north Queensland, up into the Daintree Rainforest. I was living up there in uh, Cape Tribulation for about nine months. And that's when all the transformation occurred for me. Um, everything changed. Everything in my life changed. I went from you know running a business to you know having no responsibility. I could mm. travel where I, where I wanted to, when I wanted to. I would have jobs at certain points to get me through to the next place. But life became about the journey rather than you know working was just a to get enough money to, to continue the journey uh, and then that that continued you know i went and lived in tasmania for a year and a half and i've lived in wa um lived in far north queensland sorry um lived in tasmania for a year and a half too um just really wanted to experience those extreme other parts of australia the really different parts of australia that um you know, a lot of people don't travel australia and so i really wanted to have a good fundamental understanding of this country mm. you know, and how it feels to be on the land in different places. And, but as I said, eventually walked onto this block and just knew this was the place to be. Um, 
Tasmanian would have been great, but it was just a bit too too cold. <laughs> too cold <laughs> yeah. down there for me. I could have bought some very cheap land down there and and grown some incredible food, but for me, uh, I still want to be in the subtropics. I still want to grow bananas and avocados and mm. mangoes and some of the tropical fruits that we couldn't get, get growing in Tasmania. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been one big thing that happened when I did leave home was I, I was with, again, I met this crew of people that finally I felt like, um, felt the same way about me as, as, as I did about the earth. And we went and watched a movie called Baraka. It's a, it's an incredible movie. Um, it was out 20, 30 years ago or 20 years ago, but um, it shifted at that point when I saw that movie, it shifted everything for me. Um, at that point, I could I could not eat meat again. I couldn't, you know, I was, it, it just, it opened my eyes to a lot of things. Um, there was a few movies at that time that really shifted my, my focus, but that was one of the big ones, mm. um, seeing that movie Baraka. I don't yeah. know if you remember Baraka the movie. I, I don't, but I'm going to have to go out and find it now. It's, it's quite amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's quite amazing. Yeah. Um, but probably a couple of hours of the movie, but yeah, yeah. Really, it really changed. Um, it changed everything that I thought about. Yeah. But mm. um, so I had a really wonderful upbringing, and, um, but, but I always yearned to be in the bush. You know, we, we would go away on holidays every Christmas up to, um, up to the mid-north coast of New South Wales, near Port Macquarie, mm-hmm. and we'd stay on a farm there every year for couple of weeks we did that from when I was two to about 13 or 14 and we got to know the people that owned the farm and we stayed there physically with the work I do I, I just can't can't maintain a vegetarianism lifestyle um, but that's that's a decision I came to um, but at the time when I made the decision it was very clear that I had to do that but um, has changed now but I again if I do eat meat or I do eat something I have deep respect for that you know when I'm eating it um, you know, I, I'm not interested in eating fast food meat from. I mean, you know, if I would much prefer to eat something that someone else has, you know, grown and slaughtered yeah. on their land than you know buying something from the supermarket. Um, we, we one day we might have some you know chickens here. We might we might keep for meat chickens. We've got egg chickens, but um, not meat chickens at the moment. But for me, it's um it just as I said when all these things occurred, everything shifted in my life from from you know, you know is it. Mediterranean, everything shifted. You know, <laughs> yeah. my my focus shifted, and it became about a, it became about the journey, really. About um, said living in all those parts of Australia was about traveling and, and finding out where I wanted to be and where mm. I wanted to buy land and want to get land. But um, the journey in all those places was different. You know, I was always meeting different people. We, we, we travel a lot in those places. Like I didn't just go to those places and work. I'd we spent a lot of time traveling, you know, so when we were up in far north Queensland, say, we would we do a lot of trekking through the back of the Daintree Rainforest and mm-hmm. did a lot of trekking through Tasmania. And, and, and so, again, for me, it's just finding those people that really felt the same way as I did. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, I, I, I remember not feeling right as a kid because I just didn't ever meet those people. You know? mm-hmm. And now, now they're everywhere, you know. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And there's more and more people being conscious about, you know, how they live and, and yeah. what sort of footprint they have on the, on the planet. But um, when we bought this place, my only focus was to grow organic food and to create habitat. Yep. So that's why I've planted so many trees. That's why I've let so many ponds in. Again, we've had uh, we've installed uh, 36 frog ponds here. Well, they're, they're frog slash habitat ponds. They bring in a tremendous amount of wildlife. So for me, um, it's critical to bring that wildlife in. For me, I have to create spaces for them as well. I, this land's not mine, you know. Mm. The government might say it's mine because I've paid for it or 
but it's not my land. You know, mm. I don't own this land. Um, I'm a caretaker of this land. You know, for my short life, I'll be a caretaker of this land, and hopefully, I can pass this land on to my to my daughter, mm. and um, she can take care of it as well. Yeah. She's got a really deep connection to the animal world as well, and um, it's really nice to have uh, thought, I suppose, for her to have picked up on some of that energy as well. You know, because I'm always, I'm always passionate about nature and about you know, living, you know, living a, a more holistic life. Or, and then that word gets used a lot, but being more conscious about, you know, about what we're doing on the planet, like why we're here, you know, mm. being conscious about that and. And, and trying to work towards something, I said, um, I run workshops here now. Um, people come here from all over the place to do workshops on, you know, whether it's an organic home food production workshop or whether it's a workshop on, um, you know, uh, frog ponds and habitat gardens. I love sharing that passion. Mm. Um, I'm always learning as well. You know, I'm constantly learning. I put in, I put in over 300 ponds in, in my time, but I'm still learning. You know, I'm still yeah. learning every time I do them. Um, yep. But for me, I get the biggest joy out of seeing you know little skinks hatching or yeah little dragons or, or animals appearing that weren't here yeah, three or four wow. years ago yeah like um just simple things like we have a very large land snail here that land snail wasn't here when we moved here yeah. because there's nowhere for it to hide nowhere for it to feed and now their numbers have increased yeah just just that one thing we've got echidnas here we've got platypus we've got um all kinds of wildlife but that wildlife wasn't here before we got, it was some of it was here, but there was nowhere for it to hide, nowhere for it to feed. Mm. So, by putting the habitat in, we've increased the numbers of everything 10, 20 fold. Um, what's spread up the most is the skinks, the birds, the frogs. Um, again, when we came here, the property was bare grass with large gum trees, and there was there was nowhere for animals to hide. Mm. You know, there was nowhere for them to find food or, or, or shelter. So, in time, what's happened is we've created all those spaces for the animals. And they've just bred up numbers. I'm yep. trying to control their numbers. They just breed up. If we get a large number of frogs breeding up, we get a predator of a frog breeding up. So we get snakes, we get lizards, we get something mm. else coming in or birds coming in to eat the frogs. So I'm trying to create that ecosystem, that, that balanced ecosystem in the garden. Yeah. You know? And for me, as I mentioned before, it's, it's critical that we have those animals in the garden to control all the pests that we might have in the garden. Mm. So they take care of all my animals, all my pests. So the frogs, the lizards, the birds especially little brown skinks. They take care of so many pests in the garden. So I think it's really critical and my passion is to try and share that with people to, to get them to to get them to, to utilise nature and to get them to work with nature rather than, you know, against it. Mm. Um, you know, if I have weed issues, I don't see them as weeds. I see them as a, you know, they're like skin to the earth, mm. you know, but, you know, they can be a problem, some weeds, but a lot of weeds um, bring a lot of beneficial insects in. Yep. And if you don't have beneficial insects, you're not going to have, Food for a lot of things in the garden. So yeah. a lot of things eat spiders, a lot of things eat insects. So I need to create a large number of insects to have to come into the garden before I can bring all these other things in. Mm. So it's good to have water. Water is important. You know, food sources for them. I don't artificially feed birds or other animals on the property. I put in plants that they like to eat, but I don't, you know, go and put a bird feeder in because it, for me it doesn't feel right. Yeah. Um, I'll put water all over the property for the for the animals, but I won't put up seed seed buckets of seed for them. Mm. What I prefer is to grow a plant that they like, that they can harvest themselves when they're ready. So yeah. I'm trying to create, you know, an ecosystem here, um, but I'm not trying to do it artificially. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to, you know, I'm just trying to encourage them to come here. And when they come here, they're like, wow, it's really nice here. And they bring <laughs> up. You know, so they, I think they're friends. Yeah. yeah, well, they do. They do. It's amazing. Year after year, I sit in the back and go, 
wow, I haven't seen that bird here before. Mm. I haven't seen that marsupial here before. That skink's new. I've never seen that skink here. So year after year, I'm seeing more and more species moving here that weren't here before, that had no chance of being here before because, you know, bare grass, um, there's nowhere to hide. Mm. There's nowhere to hide in the grass. Yeah. You look, look in there, you know, there's all kinds of animals through there, but not much here at all. Yeah. No. Sean's just pointing to a lovely <laughs> bit of, like, grassy bushland kind of swampiness. <laughs> It looks fantastic. So just tell us, give, paint the audience a bit of a picture for us. Mm. What? Well, firstly, what is this place? What do you call it? A like a oh, look an up, eco farm or no? A, we don't have we don't have a term for it as such. For? I mean, it's, it, we opened our property uh, about six years ago as part of Australia's Open Garden Scheme. So we had uh, five hundred people through mm-hmm. that weekend, and it was opened as a habitat property and, a, and a, an organic home food production property. So people came in to view the property or view the gardens that were passionate about habitat or passionate mm-hmm. about growing food. Yep. So that's that was the whole focus on the property. Um, after that, um, you know, for me, I've been planting, I've been planting a lot of plants in the, on the property. So a lot of natives, mm-hmm. a lot of endemic natives, so endem- natives that should be here, yep. as well as natives that are from North Queensland or from New South Wales. Yeah, right. And also exotics. Look, I'm not a purist. I do like, you know, I love smells in the garden. Yep. So I'll have, <laughs> I'll have things that just smell good, you know, but also... Um, most of the plants we have here have that to use. Yeah, yeah. They're edible on some level or they're creating habitat. Or they're, or they're both, you know. So. No, that's good. <laughs> so, were you, um, so were you mostly self-sufficient in terms of your food no, here? No, we, 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 we grow, if we wanted to only eat from the garden, we could. Mm-hmm. But we, we, we still like you know, buying other food elsewhere. Yep. Um, but we would be self-sufficient in... Um, Say so all our leafy greens, you yep. know, all your general Asian greens, your, your leafy greens, your herbs, mm. all that's running all year round. But it's seasonal for us. So right now we've just put in about 100 broccoli plants and a whole lot of kale and other things. So, so those broccoli plants will grow us for the next few months. We'll be eating broccoli. Once they start producing, we'll get two or three months supply of broccoli and that'll finish. And once that finishes, we'll put something else in. Yep. So it's a constantly just working with the seasons. Um, but the critical thing that we do here is is which I love people to really get inspired and excited about is biodynamics. Mm-hmm. Biodynamics um, is a very interesting, uh, very powerful tool to use as a gardener. Um, there's a lot of things in regards to biodynamics, um, but the thing that I get most excited about is the rhythms, the, the planetary rhythms, the, the, the things that the moon's doing that people don't even realize. Mm, okay. What the moon does on a daily basis or on a weekly basis, most people don't even have a, a glimpse of. Um, I mean, most people understand the moon is, it starts off dark moon, it, and it has two weeks and it, you know, 14 days it grows to half moon and then to, to full moon. And then it, so it backs, it, 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 it waxes mm. so for two weeks and it wanes away for two weeks. Most people can understand that. They see a full moon in the sky, they see a little eclipse sometimes. But most people don't understand that the moon's also rising and falling on the, on the horizon. The moon's also coming close to the earth and going away from the earth. All these rhythms and patterns are happening overlapping each other all the time so that the thing that I get most excited about biodynamics is is all those rhythms and how the moon and how the planets and how the sun is affecting us plant growth humans uh, animals on the, on the earth so I get really excited about biodynamics um, so for so for us uh, people that don't know what that is <laughs> can you give us a really quick uh, explanation of, of biodynamics look there's a lot of things that biodynamics can go into um, some people make what we call preparations so some people would energize water give water a lot of energy um, mm. by, by turning it, making mm-hmm. vortexes. But so, so biodynamics can be 
can be just looking at the stars, looking at the moon. It can be practical knowledge on how to, what to put in certain times. So for instance, um, when the moon's in a water sign, water is equivalent to leaf. So I'm going to plant my leafy greens when the water's in a when the moon's in a water sign. Yeah, right. Okay? I'm going to plant my fruiting annuals when the when the moon's in a fire sign. So if I'm eating tomatoes, capsicums, cucumbers, I'm mm-hmm. planting them when the moon's in a fire sign. Mm-hmm. When I want to grow root vegetables, I'm planting when the moon's in an earth sign. So say when the moon's in Capricorn yep. or when the moon's in um, Virgo, something like that. I'm going to plant root vegetables. And same thing when um, if I'm planting broccoli cauliflowers, those things are flowers. So I'm producing them on a flower day. So I'm mm. going to grow those vegetables on a flower day. It's, it's really critical for, it, it is a subtle energy, but it's, 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 it's quite amazing how if you don't plant those things on those right days, you know, if you plant a leafy green on a, on a flowering day, on a fruiting day, it bolts. It doesn't produce a nice big lettuce head. So That's so fascinating. So you're looking at, <laughs> yeah, look, I get really excited yeah. about this because it's very subtle, but it's, the energy's there. Again, mm. just tapping into an understanding. I said, most people have no real concept of what the moon does. You know, they go, they know it. They, a lot of people understand the moon controls the tides, but they don't understand the impact it has on plant growth yep. and, 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 and interaction with humans. On, you know, for instance, um, when the moon's in a water sign, um, I'm going to see more frogs in the property, a lot more frogs. When the moon's in, a, um, when it, in an air sign, so when the moon's in Libra, say, for instance, Humans are talking all the time. Birds are talking. Insects are buzzing around everywhere. So if you, if you see those days and you walk around and go, why are all the insects going crazy in the sky? And the birds are chirping and talking and flying everywhere. The moon's going to be in, a, in an usually in, a, in an air sign. Mm. So just these subtle things that, that biodynamics can teach you, you know, just about what's going on. You know? So for me, I, I get really excited about biodynamics and just trying to encourage people to at least to, you know, encouraging them to look into it at least a little bit. If they're interested mm. in growing food, maybe grow certain things on certain days. It's not as critical when we're growing trees and shrubs, but when we're growing annual things for food, working with the moon is very important. Mm. You know, so is it, biodynamics encompasses a lot of things, but for me, the thing that I'm most passionate about is the rhythms, as I mentioned. Yeah, yeah. So what's happening out there, what impact does it have on us here? Yeah, great. So, so by day you're like a landscape, mm-hmm. landscape gardener, yep. bits and pieces. I mean, that's your kind of day to day work. But it's clear to me that this is your like this farm mm. is your real. That's your sole kind of work, isn't it? Yeah, look, it, it is. But what I also do is I run a lot of workshops, and those workshops for me is where I share that passion and, and encourage other people to to get that passion mm. too. Um, so, yeah, look, the property is very important to me. You know, it's it's where we come to recharge it's where we come to eat food and it's where we come to just to be um but look it's just important you know for me you know the work i do with landscaping is one thing but why i'm more excited about the consulting i do and, and the range of workshops that i do you know for me i'm interested mostly in the, my biggest passion is about growing food as i said and and, and and teaching people about nature you know trying to Trying to get people to, to connect to it, you know, because mm. we're all we're all deeply connected to it. We just don't know, you know. A lot of people just don't know. Yeah, they don't. They just don't feel they have that connection. You know, mm. they might they might go bushwalking and like being in nature, but they don't feel that deep deep connection to it. You know, for me, I've had uh, I've had interaction with animals in the wild that has completely blown me away. You know, that I've had interaction with whales in Canada, and I've had experiences with you know turtles underwater and just 
all different animals. And some of these experiences have been so powerful. Um, I was up in far north Queensland one time and I was calling this, I was, I was looking for food. All day I was trying to find fish. And so I spent the whole afternoon looking for hooks and sinkers and things up along the shoreline looking for food mm-hmm. to catch some fish. And and I spent the whole day looking for fish. I'd been eating mangoes and, and coconuts for three days and I was loving it. But I wanted some, I just wanted, wanted some 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 protein. And so I've been clearly putting this intention out all day for some fish, for some fish. At the end of the day, I finished, got to the other end of this beach. This is a place called Cedar Bay mm-hmm. where I was in Cedar Bay. It's a, it's a natural park in, up in far north Queensland. It's between Cooktown and Cape Tribulation. You can only get there by boat or by walking. It's a really special place. Um, you're not supposed to camp there, um, but I've stayed there quite a few times. <laughs> and there's fresh water in there. There's yep. coconuts, there's mangoes, there's food in the forest. And um, there's a lot of fish in, in, in the ocean there. As I said, I walked up this beach, spent all day f- clearly focused on my intention to catch fish. And at the end of the day, I, I, I totally let that go because I just I let go my attachment to that. And as I let go my attachment to that, I looked up and I see this eagle you know, flying out. Just He just grabbed something out of the water. It was flying out of the water towards me. And it came within 10 metres away, dropped this trevally fish on the rocks in front of me, <laughs> looked at me, kind of, I was like, we, we shared this few moments of, yeah. of interaction and it flew off. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> this these, is a great story. These experiences are things that I don't think most humans are getting. You know, yeah. If people could be getting these experiences, if people could understand their, their connection, their, um, you know, indigenous people understand their connection, mm. but, but some of us don't, you know. Mm. Um, so, I really encourage people to get out there and observe and, and be in nature and because that experience of, of that clear intention of me asking for that and, and it was given to me at the end of the day. And I, you know, I, didn't, I didn't have to go fishing for it. This bird has delivered it to me. And I, things like that have keep happening to me. You know, mm. I've had experiences with whales off the west coast of Canada. I lived in Canada for a year and a half and, uh, in British Columbia. And same thing. I felt like I'd walked those lands as, as, a, as, a, as an indigenous person lifetimes ago and so I felt a really strong connection to that land there as well I mean I feel connection to the land wherever I am I'm, I go to Arizona sometimes and I in the desert and I feel a deep connection to the animals and the plants in the desert there even though they're not they're very different to here mm. the connection's still there you know um, you understand the species you understand the, in- the interaction between the animals and the plants so you don't have to I don't feel I have to know every plant by name or every animal by name but I can understand their place in everything mm. just by being with them um, so yeah, Canada was a, was another one where uh, I was off the west coast of Canada uh, on Vancouver Island. And again, I spent the whole day in this place called Half Moon Bay, really special place. When I walked into Half Moon Bay, like there's bears there, there's cougars there, there's all kinds of amazing animals in the, in, in the forest there. And so you, you've got to be a bit more focused because, um, you can do things that can eat you there. <laughs> but, um, I spent, spent a year and a half there and, um, the place I went to the, the most was this place called Half Moon Bay, and it it would get really fogged out. So you you'd, you'd walk into this bay in the morning and you couldn't see for hours and hours. Eventually, the fog would lift, and you'd be you'd just you'd be in the most pristine place. You couldn't imagine how beautiful it was. And and the location where I was at is a is a is a is a large area for um, migrating whales. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a fishing area, but it's it's a big tourist area for whales especially. And again, the experiences I have. They, these keep happening. So for me, the experience I had there was 
these grey whales were offshore, kilometres offshore, and I spent hours sitting on this rocky shelf, and um, below me was deep water, so I was on this rocky point for hours, just trying to call them in, just mm. mentally trying to call them in, um, you know, intuitively trying to bring them to me, and many, many years, many, many uh, hours passed, and nothing happened, like, the whales come a bit closer, but they were still kilometres out to sea, all I could see was their puff of mist coming mm. out, of their, out, of their, out of their hole, out of their um, breathing hole, and I said three or four three or four hours would have passed eventually. Me consciously trying to call them in, trying to call them in. Eventually, I I stood up and went. Oh, I'm going to go now. And as soon as I stood up, I got this sit down, sit down, and I <laughs> it was this overwhelming sit down. Yeah. And as soon as I sat, this this huge um, grey whale came right past me. Like it was three minutes from me because I was yeah. on this rocky point, and the whale came past. Huge eye, just watching me, and I know I'd called it in. Yeah, I'd called it for hours. It had been, and its baby was there too. And then this huge seal came in afterwards. So these three animals came within meters from me, but I knew I called them. You know, mm. so what I'm trying to get people to understand is their connection. Is there? Is there? It's all there. You know, we all have those connections, but we just we're so busy. We don't mm. give ourselves the opportunity to actually experience those things yeah. in nature. I mean, it's. You don't need to be – you could be anywhere to have some of these experiences. You could just go down to Noosa Main Beach and have an experience with a dolphin, you know, or you could have something – you know, you could go to some other part of the world and have an experience with something else. But mm. for me, I just – I'm just trying to get people to reconnect to that mm. place, you know, when they should be connected to, you know. Yeah. They, they, there's no reason why we shouldn't be connected mm. in, in that way. So what would you recommend, like if, you know, for city goers like me mm. for, or for anyone – what are some practical things that you would say to people to do to to try and reconnect with nature if they've got that desire? Mm-hmm. Look, observation. You know, sitting there, just get yourself out of the office. Get yourself, you know, off your phone. Get yourself off the, away from the TV. Put yourself in nature. You don't. You don't have to go. You don't have to go and walk a thousand kilometers somewhere. You can. You can go and sit in a park. You know, in suburbia and watch a bird. And that bird will teach you something. You know, so you don't have to. It doesn't have to be some hard, difficult thing. You know, I sit often on this bench or other parts of the property and I just watch things. And in that observation is where I learn so much. Mm. You know, I learn how things interact with each other, whether it's simple things like insects or whether it's a, you know, a larger bird or, or, another, or another animal. So for me, observation is really key for most people to observe what's happening and you will understand much, on a much deeper level what's going on in the garden on your property. Mm. So yeah, get yourself away from all the things that make us busy, you know, in world, in the world. I'm not saying, you know, dismiss those things, but take yourself out of those at, on, on occasions and put yourself somewhere quietly and just observe, you know. It's amazing what I see just from sitting down in the garden. Mm. You know, it's incredible what I see just, just from being here. Mm. What I can see and have an experience is it. I can go down and walk along the National Park at Noosa or I can have an experience down there with something or I can be somewhere else or I can be in the desert. I can be – those experiences can be had, you know, um, doesn't matter where you are. Mm. So just, I suppose, um, for people to just make those opportunities available, you know, you know, go somewhere where you can be quiet and still, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, big on, you know, focused meditation. I prefer focused, um, observation and contemplation, I suppose. So I like to just put myself somewhere and just observe and just allow things to come through. It's amazing what happens when you just allow things to come through. You know, I learned things about plants that I just, just didn't know a few minutes ago. Like yeah. if something gets downloaded from a plant or an animal, it, it's very clear and obvious to me when it happens. It's like I'll listen. I even listen to birds, and I, I get a 
what they're talking about. You know, <laughs> I'm not saying I know everything. Like, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. like that. But it's when your intuition comes in there, mm. it, it's quite powerful. You know? And I just don't think a lot of us use our intuition. I think we're so focused on other things, money, mm. power, wealth, whatever it is, you know, you know, luxury, you know, fancy cars, all these things. I mean, these things make some people happy. That's fine. And I'm not dismissing any of them. But just, you know, get yourself out into nature and just observe. You know, whether that's a surfer on surfing out. I mean, for me, I don't surf, but I love to snorkel. So I'll mm. go under the water. I prefer to be, I'm not inter- interested in surfing, but I appreciate that surfing would be an incredible thing and it would connect you to the ocean very strongly. You know, I know a lot of surfers that are very deeply connected to the ocean. But for me, I'm connected to the ocean, but I'm also connected to the land. Yeah. You know? So yep. um, if I had to choose the two, I'd probably... Go with the land, yeah, you know. Yeah. The, the ocean's powerful. You know, you learn a lot of things there too. But for me, the land is um, mm. where it's most powerful. Yeah. I love that you said like about, I mean, you talking about the fact that you spend a lot of time in nature and that you take the time to mm. connect and to disconnect from more of the modern world. But then you mentioned how your, your intuition is quite strong. And I think, yeah. I mean, for me, that's an obvious connection that if you take the time to quieten mm. yeah. within yourself and to to be out in the world away from all these buzzing things that we have in our lives, that it's mm. only natural that that intuition would begin to speak a little bit more loudly. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. certainly. Yeah. Again, it's not something you have to devote, you know, countless hours to. You can, you can, you can have a connection with something in a few minutes. Yeah. I can walk outside and I'll just sit down for a few minutes and I'll look and I'll be like, oh, wow, mm. I didn't know that or I didn't see that or I didn't, haven't felt that before. But again, I'm, I'm, got a lot to learn you know i'm constantly <laughs> learning about my yep. connection and, and 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 deepening that and and my daughter's got that same connection too you know she feels that strongly about animals you know she can be playing on her ipad you know or her phone and i can bring in an egg of something and that's it forget the ipad forget the yeah. phone this yep. thing is the most important thing yep. i've just given her so from when she was a little girl i was introducing her things from when she was first born mm. you know this is this you know so i, I could put anything in her hand mm. and she'd be just like wow you know, Kids so, are like that, aren't they? Oh, they are. It's like, you know, you do put something real and exciting in their mm. hands and, you know, there you go, parents out there. Good way to get your kids off the iPads. Go find them something fun in nature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I'd love to ask you now, you know, this is a Good Work Revolution mm. podcast. What, is, what does good work mean to you, that term? For me, it means um, being conscious about what you're doing, um, you know, maybe making money from something that you're passionate about and it's, it feels like it's doing the right thing for the planet. So for me, I'm, my focus is, you know, um, you know, more on caring for the earth than it is about, you know, say caring for people. I'm interested in, you know, mm-hmm. protecting the earth. Um, so for, for me, it's, it's, it could be anything in those things, any of those things really. It comes down to, you know, if it feels right, you know. Um, but for me, if, good work for me would be, you know, growing as much food as I can, you know, organically, mm-hmm. having a light footprint on the earth, you know, um, recycling as much as I can, reducing my use of things as much as possible, but uh, just being just being aware, you know. Um, but yeah, anything. I suppose it could be it could be a lot of things for a lot of different people. But for me, it's it'd be about you know working with nature, promoting habitat creation, mm. you know, promoting uh, organic food production. Uh, we can grow a tremendous amount of food on a small little lot. Look, you know, even if you live in a suburban flat and you've got a little veranda you can grow a tremendous amount of food in the, on that veranda so mm. for me yeah good works about yeah, being conscious you know about what i'm doing and where i'm going um being conscious about what sort of damage i leave behind me 
uh, being conscious about, you know, um, simple little things. You know, it's, you know, I might I might see one thing I've always done as a kid. I might see a fly getting drowning in some water, and I'll I'll click that fly and I'll put it on the side of the bank and be like, all right. Good. I'm glad you say that because I rescue ants from the shower oh, all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. Same, same. <laughs> so if, yeah, it's just about you know doing what feels right, and for me, it's um, you know, and it doesn't think it's right. You know? Yeah. And for me, you know, I've got it's got to feel right. I mean, so I'm not I don't spray chemicals. I'm not interested in spraying weeds. You know, I'll, I'll a very different process. To, to, you know, for weeds, for me, weeds are a critical part of the food chain. A critical mm. part of bringing you know, uh, wildlife and insects into the garden or, or bring in enough food that other animals can eat those. So, yeah, I mean, good work can be such a varied thing for so many people. Yeah. But for me, it's about it's about habitat and it's mm. about food production. Yeah. I love as well that you said being conscious and, and not causing harm. And I think, you know, in, in your case, that's very much related to the environment. But you could take those two things for anyone and go, well, being conscious, be conscious about what you're doing mm. and don't harm anyone else in what you're doing. I yeah. think that's that's a really beautiful summary of what good work could mm. mean in, in so many different contexts. Yeah. yeah. So that's good work for you. What I mean, and you've had a really interesting journey in getting here. You've obviously been very in tune with yourself and particularly after you had that experience of meeting more people yeah. that, you know, that you could really relate to. Um, what what wisdom would you have to others who are looking to find their good work or looking to really tap into that thing mm. that's really important to them like you have? Look, first thing that comes to mind is make your job your passion, you know. I couldn't do a job that I wasn't passionate about, you know, mm. at all. So for me it's like find your passion and, and make it your job, you know, make it something you do every day, mm. you know. I, I'm not interested in earning money just for the sake of earning money. Mm. You know, I've, I've got to be very passionate about what I do. Um, so for me, yeah, that would be something I would suggest, you know, find your passion. If you haven't found it already, find it and then stick with it, you know, mm. work out how you can, you know, live your life with your passion, you know, whether that's earning enough money to live off that passion. For me, um, I'm very passionate about a lot of things. And so that would be something I'd say to people, share that passion <coughs> as much as you can. And, and um, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Anything else you'd love to tell me about this beautiful property or what you're doing here? Or so we, we run a lot of workshops here, um, but for me, the, the key thing about the workshops is just trying to get people excited about you know, the things that I'm excited about. <laughs> it might be a bit selfish, but you know, I want people to you know, respect the earth. I want people to um, have a connection to everything. You know, I want, don't want people to feel they've got no connection with, with nature and a lot of people do you know, people say oh, I love going bushwalking but I always wonder sometimes if they feel connected to that place they're walking through or they're just walking through and observing it's pretty or mm. it's a beautiful place but what they feel that deep that deep connection so for me uh, I feel that connection wherever I am you know whether I'm here or whether I said whether I'm in the desert whether I'm mm. swimming in the ocean I've had some experiences with dolphins too that have just completely opened me up like like a vessel it's amazing i mean so again um it, it depends what you I mean, for me follow your passion you know that's whether that passion is it could be a whole range of things it doesn't have to be organic passion it could be a passion about something else it could mm. be a passion about food it could be passion about flowers it could be passion about any work that you do you know um so for me it's yeah it's following that passion yeah. you know and, and 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 definitely um 
intuition's a really strong part of that, you know. Um, I think we all know we've got that we've got that sense, you know, and we, we might call it sixth sense or we call it something else, but we all know when something feels right and something mm. doesn't feel right. I mean, unless you're very um, unless you're not very conscious of what you're doing, you, you should generally feel you have that have that connection. You sort of feel um, that you have that deep understanding. Yeah. I mean, I'll, at least I do. I mean, I, I just want people to feel more connected, I suppose, you know, to the earth and, and feel more connected to all the animals. I, you know, I never see myself as above the animals. I see myself as part of the animal kingdom, you know. We've just evolved in such a way that we feel like we're above everything yeah. else, but we're not. We're just part of that food chain. Yeah. You know? When we die, we get eaten by whole lot of other animals that, that eventually get eaten by other animals. So we're in that same food, we're in that same chain, we're in that same thing, you know. Mm. We, we're going to become some other animal down the track, you know. We're going to turn into something else as we die. So yeah, just, just understanding that, understanding that, um, that connection. You know? Yeah. I think that's really beautiful and it really, I think, brings back some perspective. You know, we're living our lives and we're doing our things, mm. but at the end of the day we're just animals on a you know, a little blue planet in the cosmos doing nothing. So, thank you so much, Sean. I no, think that's, that's a beautiful place to wrap it up. And it's been lovely um, sitting out here, kind of watching it turn to dusk as we sit by the frog pond. So thanks very much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Thanks very much for listening today. I hope you really enjoyed my conversation with Sean. I know I certainly had a great time out at his beautiful property. Uh, We actually got some wonderful greens from his garden on that day too. So pretty cool place to go and hang out. So if you did enjoy the podcast, uh, it is always amazing if you can hop onto iTunes and leave a review or share it with someone that you think might get something out of it. Um, Really helps us spread the good word of the Good Work Revolution. Also, we do have a Facebook group uh, if you would like to continue the conversation and meet other Good Work Revolutionaries uh, who are really trying to produce their good work out in the world would love to see you over there of course always feel free as well to head over and visit me on any of the social media or uh, at katemccready.com and i look forward to seeing you next time until then keep up the good work Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the episode today. I'm so grateful that you took the time to have a listen. I hope you really enjoyed it and got something valuable out of it as well. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you would leave us a review on iTunes, if that's how you're listening. It always helps us get the word out about the podcast and helps it get into more people's ears. Also, always love meeting people who are listening and hearing what you're getting out of the podcast. So come and say hello on Instagram. LinkedIn, send me an email. I'd absolutely love to meet you online and hear how you are being and becoming a leading being.